brothers and sisters, praises be to our loving Father, that we are again gathered to study his words and his commandments. Tonight we're going to study Daniel chapter 7, and this is about the little horn. Now, many of you probably have not heard about the little horn, so this will be basically our introduction about the little horn and the impact the study of the little horn has in our preparation for the great day of our salvation. Now, we left off last week with uh, Persia, right? We saw that Darius and Cyrus the Great, they overtook uh, per, uh, Babylon, and so they became the conquerors of Babel, Babylon, and they became the next great empire to rule throughout the world. So it started with Babylon, and then Mede, Persia, Persia Mede, uh, took over. And so we go now to Daniel chapter 7. However, Daniel chapter 7 takes us back to time. It is not in chronological order. It doesn't happen in chronology after chapter 6, because chapter 6, like I said, is about Persia uh, conquering, or chapter, yeah, because chapter 6 was about, I believe, the Dan Daniel in the lion's den. So at that point, Persia was already in charge, and they have already conquered uh, Babylon. So now we go to Daniel chapter 7, and the verses 1, and what does it teach us? Daniel 7, 1, in the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head while on his bed. Then he wrote down the dream, telling the main facts. So in Daniel 7, 1, it opens with a dream that Daniel had. If you still remember, in Daniel 2, and also in, in other chapters of Daniel before Daniel 7, um, Daniel interpreted the dreams of other people, right? However, in Daniel 7, he had his own dream. And this dream that Daniel had, he had during the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon. This is why this dream took place before Persia arrived in Babylon. Daniel had a dream, and he wrote down the dream, telling the main facts. So he gives us an outline of what the dream is about, the main facts, and not necessarily the minute details of his dream. So the, Daniel chapters 1 through 6 describe the life and times of Daniel, all the way to Persia, right? The, uh, the incident in that with Daniel in the lines then. Then Dan Daniel chapter 7 through 12 described the visions, the dreams that Daniel had. In order of events, the vision described in Daniel 7 took place during the time between Daniel chapters 4 and Daniel chapter 5. And so the dream took place after the time of Nebuchadnezzar. Because when he had the dream, it was already Belshazzar the descendant of Nebuchadnezzar, who was running the show or administering the kingdom of Babylon. So the dream took place after the time of Nebuchadnezzar and before the time of Darius the Mede. Now, this dream that Daniel had in Daniel chapter 7 is connected somehow, some way, with the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had. Do you still remember the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had? Well, he dreamt of a large statue with different metals, gold, silver, brass, iron, and iron and clay, right? And then this statue 
was destroyed by a stone. We studied this prophecy and this dream, and we know it represents the different kingdoms that will rule the world, beginning with Babylon. And then Medo-Persia takes over, and then Greece takes over, and then Rome conquers Greece and takes over the world. And then it's the first century, the days of Yahusha has come, the gospel writers have completed the writing of concerning the testimony of the Christ. And so that takes us to Rome in the first century. Eventually, Rome as an empire technically would be defeated. And this took place around 476 AD. However, when we look at the dream, the iron and clay continues all the way to the end time. So somehow, some way, Rome is still involved, but with a mixture of clay. This represents a future Roman empire that we don't know about yet. It's something that we look forward to because right before the stone will come to destroy the statue, which represents Yahushua and the everlasting kingdom, there's going to be this future Roman empire. There's going to be the feet that is made of iron and clay because the stone will destroy the statue, making contact with the feet made of iron and clay. And so Rome, which technically ceased to be an empire in 476 AD, somehow still has influence behind the scenes, invisible behind the scenes work, and it will again rear its ugly head and make itself evident in the end times. This is why we need to be aware of a coming of a future Roman Empire. And we believe that the Rome, the, the, uh, the dream that Daniel had is connected with this dream that Nebuchadnezzar had. So let's go to Daniel 7, 2 to 3, and let's look at the dream that Daniel had and see how it connects with the, uh, the Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Daniel chapter 7, 2 down to 3. Daniel spoke saying, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea, and four great beasts came up from the sea, each different from the other. And so in this dream of Daniel, he sees the four winds, it's stirring up the great sea, and the four great beasts, it comes up from the sea. Question, are these beasts literal beasts? No, they're not. Is this sea a literal sea? Most likely not, because this is a dream. It is a vision. Not only is it a dream, it is a prophetic dream. It speaks of events that will take place in the future. And so the beasts that he sees in his dream represents something else. It is symbolical of something else. And so we need to look at scripture to give us an idea of what the symbolism found in Daniel's dream is all about. For example, when the Bible teaches in prophecy about the sea or many waters, what is being referred to in Isaiah 17, 12 to 13, woe to the multitude of many people who make a noise like the roar of the seas and to the rushing of nations that make a rushing like the rushing 
of many waters. The nations will rush like the rushing of many waters. God will rebuke them and they will flee far away. And he chased like the chaff of the mountains before the wind, like a rolling thing before the whirlwind. So in the prophecy of Isaiah, multitudes of people, nations are depicted as the seas and water. You see the symbolism that represents many people, many nations. It is the sound of rushing mighty waters. And this is also found, this symbolism is also found in Revelation 17, 1 and 15. And one of the seven angels who had the seven bows came and talked with me, saying to me, come, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters. Then he said to me, the waters which you saw, where the harlot sits, are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. And so just like in Isaiah, in Revelation, Apostle John depicts many peoples, nations, and tongues with the symbolism of water. And so the sea being stared up is a symbol, a vision of a movement of people coming together. And so when we look at Daniel 7, 2 down to 3, it mentions the four winds steering up the great sea. And so from the great sea, four great beasts will come up. And so there will be four great beasts that will come up from the sea or from a multitude of nations or a multitude of people. It will be steered by four winds of heaven. Now, what does that represent? When the Bible mentions four winds, in the book of Mark 13, 27, then he will send his angels and gather together his elect from the four winds from the farthest part of earth to the farthest part of heaven. And so the wind, the four winds, usually when it's, when it's used in the Holy Scriptures, it represents global or worldwide in scope. The phrase four winds is often used in the context with the four cardinal points of the compass, namely north, south, east, and west. And so the four great beasts represents four kingdoms, four kings, because in the book of Daniel, kings and kingdoms are used interchangeably to represent the beast. And so these are four kings or four kingdoms that will come from humanity, that will come from a multitude of people from the different parts of the world. So it is a global movement, a worldwide movement that Daniel sees in his dream. This is why when we look at Daniel chapter 7 verse 4, let's look at the first beast or the first kingdom. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. I watched till its wings were plucked off and it was lifted up from the earth and made to stand on two feet like a man and the man's heart was given to it. And so that's the dream uh, that Daniel had about the first beast. And so the first beast was like what? A lion. But this lion, not only is it a regal creature, it was also given wings. And so if it was fearsome as a lion in and of itself, if you give it wings, it makes it even more fearsome, right? It has, you add more power and strength to that lion. And so 
what is represented here as the beast that is likened to a lion that had eagle's wings. Well, what nation or what kingdom was used by Yahuwah as an instrument that represented both the lion and the eagle? Let's go to Jeremiah 49, 19 and 22. Behold, he shall come up like a lion from the floodplain of the Jordan against the dwelling place of the strong. But I will suddenly make him run away from her. And who is a chosen man that I may appoint over her? For who is like me who will arraign me? And who is that shepherd who will withstand me? Therefore hear the counsel of Yahuwah that he has taken against Edom and his purposes that he has proposed against the inhabitants of Teman. Surely the least of the flock shall draw them out. Surely he shall make their dwelling places desolate with them. The earth shakes at the noise of their fall. And the cry, its noise is heard at the Red Sea. Behold, he shall come up and fly like an eagle and spread his wings over Bozrah, the heart of the mighty men of Edom, in that they shall be like the heart of a woman in birth pangs. Here we find the judgment of Yahuwah God against Edom. And this was taking place because this is Jeremiah. Jeremiah is prophesying against Judah. And Judah is partnering with the Edomites. The Edomites, by the way, were the descendants of Esau. So they were blood related to the Judahite, to, to Judah. And so they were banning, they were forming a team against Babylon. But Yahuwah is using Babylon to destroy the Edomites. And how will he destroy the Edomites? He shall come up like a lion and like the eagle. This is why when you look at the Ishtar gate that we showed you before, you will find depictions of Babylon as represented by an eagle or a lion with eagle's wings. So it is likely that the lion with eagle's wings in the dream that, that uh, Daniel had was representative of Babylon. And when you look at Daniel 7.4, it also gives us further details. The Bible says it had a lion and had eagle's wings. But what happened to the eagle's wings? It was plucked off. When you pluck off the wing, the feathers, or you pluck off the wings, can it still fly? It cannot, right? And so after the death of Nebuchadnezzar, Babylon swiftly decayed and it became corrupted and eventually they were defeated and conquered. The Bible also mentions that this lion who had eagle's wings is made to stand on two feet like a man and a man's heart was given to it. And so what does that mean? It could be a description of the transformation that Nebuchadnezzar had. Right, Because before his humbling experience, remember the humbling experience of Nebuchadnezzar? Perhaps he was not concerned about humanity. As the saying goes, when people destroy wantonly other human beings without thinking about their well-being whatsoever, they're, as, they're acting like a beast. They're acting like an animal. It's a grisly crime. And so when he was humble, he was given the heart of a man. Eventually he dies, the wings are plucked off, and Babylon becomes conquered. And so it could be 
that Babylon is represented here in the dream of Daniel as the lion with the king, uh, with the wings of an eagle. And so that's Babylon. And so it could be that the dream of Daniel corresponds to the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had, but from a different perspective. Okay, so we're getting more details. And this is what Daniel does. Today, we're going to look at the outline of what we can expect in the end times. And so we're going to flesh out the details later on, not today, but in the other chapters of Daniel and Revelation. Like what we said, Revelation and Daniel, they're connected. And so we begin with looking at the connections between the dream of Nebuchadnezzar and the dream that Daniel had. And so Babylon could have been represented, represented by the lion with the wings of an eagle. What followed that dream? Well, he dreamt of the first beast, right? He also dreamt of the second beast. And how does he describe the second beast? Seven fine. And suddenly another beast, a second, like a bear. It had, it was raised up on one side and had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. And they said, thus to it arise, devour much flesh. And so this next beast is likened to a bear. And something unusual about the bear is it lies on, it was raised only on one side. And so there seems to be a partnership, if you consider like the empire to be a partnership of two other empires, it seems to be favoring one side. If there are two empires that join together, a unified empire, one of them dominated the other. This is why it says it was raised up on one side. But what is the distinctive mark of this empire, this kingdom that is likened to a bear? Three ribs is in its mouth between its teeth. In other words, it's devoured three kingdoms. It's known, if you study its history, for its conquest of three notable kingdoms. And so when we look at the clues, and when we look at history to see if it fits, what we find in history is the bear represents Medo-Persia. It is the combination of the Medes and the Persians. In this partnership between the Medes and the Persians, the Persians dominated the relationship. This is why eventually it became known as Persia. Most think that the, the three ribs represent the three great military conquests when they conquered Babylon, Egypt, and Lydia. Okay, so we find the correspondence between the dream of Nebuchadnezzar and the dream of Daniel to be connected, right? And so what we find is after Babylon, sure enough, we have Medo-Persia. And so we can expect Greece to be represented somehow by the next beast, right? And so what was the third beast in the dream that Daniel had? Daniel chapter 7, verse 6, after this, I looked and there was another like a leopard, which had on its back four wings of a bird. The beast also had four heads, and dominion was given to it. And so the third beast was likened to a leopard. A leopard is swift, right? Swift in its 
kills, swift in its action. And then it's given four wings. So it's swift and fast. And so this beast, this kingdom, it devours, it destroys nations at a swift pace, not slowly like Persia. That's why Persia was likened to a bear. It dominated the world slowly. But this one's going to dominate the world swiftly like a leopard with four wings. And we know the leopard represents the Greek empire. Alexander the Great quickly conquered the civilized world by age 28. That's how swiftly he conquered the world. It was said nothing in the history of the world was equal to the conquest of Alexander, who ran through all the countries of Elycrium and the Adriatic Sea to the Indian Ocean and the river Ganges. And in 12 years, subdued part of Europe and all Asia. And it was said he didn't know what to do because at age 28, he had no, nothing else to conquer. Nothing else was left for him to conquer. And so he became depressed. That's how swiftly he was able to conquer uh, the world. And so after his death, his empire was divided into four parts. This is why in the dream that Daniel had, it had four heads. Specifically, the four heads were Cassander, Lysimachus, Seleucus, and Ptolemy, who inherited Alexander's domain after his death. And so we can see one after the other, the dream Daniel had does correspond to the empires represented by the different metals in the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had. Babylon, Medo-Persia, and then Greece, right? And so now we expect Rome to be in there somehow, right? Rome is the empire that Daniel's going to see. But take a look at this. Something happens with the fourth beast. The first three beasts, Daniel had no problem recognizing the three beasts, had no problem. This is why when he had the opportunity to ask about the meaning of the dream, an angel had to help him interpret the dream before he was interpreting the dream on his own with the help of Yahuwah, right? When he interpreted the dream of Nebuchadnezzar, Yahuwah gave him the meaning of the dream. This time, Daniel wanted to know the meaning of the dream. He had no problems with the first three beasts. But with the fourth beast, something different. <laughs> something different about this fourth beast. Why? Daniel chapter 7, the verses 7. After this, I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, exceedingly strong. It had huge iron teeth. It was devouring, breaking in pieces, and trampling the residue with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it. And, take note, it had ten horns. And so when Daniel saw the fourth beast, he said it was different. It was unlike the other three beasts. It was unlike the other four kingdoms. It was set apart to be different. When we look at the dream Nebuchadnezzar had, Rome was represented by iron. But iron eventually became mixed with clay. And it takes us all the way to the end times. So perhaps what Daniel saw in his dream was a depiction of this empire, not in its initial stages, but in its final stages in the end times. This is why he could not compare it 
with the other three beasts. It was different because it took a jump of time all the way to the end times. And to connect this dream to the end times. In Revelation, this is what the Apostle John tells us about this beast. Revelation 13, 1 to 2. Then I stood on the sand of the sea and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns. And so here the Apostle John gives us more details. Daniel tells us it has ten horns. Here Apostle John tells us it has seven heads, seven heads, ten horns. And on his horns, ten crowns, must be ten kings, right? And on his heads, on his heads, a blasphemous name. Now, the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. And so what made this beast, this fourth beast, different from the other three? Well, in the vision that the Apostle John had, we are given details for why Daniel really had trouble deciphering, interpreting the meaning of the fourth beast. Because in the vision that Apostle John had, this beast is unlike any creature on the earth. Because it was a combination of the leopard, the bear, and the lion. Do you see that? The other three beasts, oh, one was a leopard, a bear, a lion. But this one is an amalgamation of all these former beasts. And so it was unique. It possessed characteristics and powers of the previous other beasts. But at the same time, it was also being driven in power by the dragon. You notice that? So this is a different beast. And so the Roman Empire, which started way back in before the first century, right? Somehow it's still alive, but it's behind the scenes because the one in charge is the dragon. However, when the end times will come, this empire, this beast will become more and more evident. This is why we need to look at uh, prophecy and check history so that we can be prepared for the events that are going to come. If you notice, the Apostle John describes the fourth beast the, or the beast as like a leopard, like a bear, like a lion. Didn't Daniel use these animals as well? But if you notice in the book of Revelation, Apostle John regards the beasts and mentions these creatures in the order, the leopard first, followed by the bear, followed by the lion. So in Revelation, the order is leopard, bear, lion. But in Daniel, the order is lion, bear, leopard. It's like reverse, right? Why is that? Why do you think that is? Daniel was in the position of depicting the events which are going to take place in the future, right? So he's describing events looking forward in prophecy. So the lion first, the bear, and then the leopard. And so when John looks at these kingdoms, he's looking at it because from the point of view of history, he's looking backward in history. And so this tells us that this creature, this beast is what is being depicted by Apostle John 
It's the same beast depicted by the prophet Daniel. And so it had 10 horns. Now, what does that mean? It had 10 horns and each of the horns had 10 crowns. What is the, the 10 crowns or the 10 horns? Well, in prophecy in Revelation 13, uh, one down to two, it mentions the 10 horns and it has a, it wears a blasphemous name. Keep that in mind. It is a, a glam a combination of the leopard, the bear, and the lion. And when we study the, the scriptures, whenever it mentions horns, we need to understand the Bible writers were writing using the idioms of ancient cultures. In ancient cultures, whenever they look at the horn, it is a symbol of power and authority. This is why it's four, it uses horns to refer to power. And his brightness was at the light, and he had horns coming out of his hand and there was the hiding of his power and so the idiom of horn represented power and authority in the ancient world horns expressed the power and fearsomeness of an animal thus in ancient and biblical literature a horn became an idiom for power over or authority and so when we look at the beast this fourth beast that daniel saw in his dream it had 10 horns or 10 sources of power and authority. What could that possibly mean? What does it mean that it had 10 horns? Let's keep uh, looking at the prophecy or in the dream that Daniel had. The Bible says that it had huge iron teeth, which could be a, a reference to what the uh, feet is made of. It's made of iron, right? Breaking in pieces, trampling the residue of its feet, it was different from all the other beasts that were before it, and it had 10 horns. So, so far, what we know from the dream that Daniel had is there's going to be a kingdom, right? A beast, a kingdom with the characteristics of the other kingdoms empowered by the dragon. This kingdom will have 10 horns. That's what we know so far. What else does Daniel have in his dream to describe this beast? Well, let's read Daniel chapter 7, verse 8. I was considering the horns. Daniel says his mind was in the horns. He wasn't really considering the three beasts. It was quite evident to him what that represented. But he was having trouble with the fourth beast. So he was focusing now on the horns. I was considering the horns. And there was another horn, an 11th horn, a little one. That's why he's a little horn, right? a small power coming up among them. And so this kingdom, this beast will have 10 horns. But in addition to the 10 horns out of seemingly nowhere comes this little one. And before whom three of the first horns were plucked out by the roots. And there in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth speaking pompous words. And so not only does the beast have 10 horns, from among the beast or the kingdom will emerge this little power called the little horn. And this little horn, once it begins to emerge, the Bible says three of the first horns were plucked out by the roots. And so three of the 10 horns is going to disappear or be irrelevant somehow because of this little horn. And this little horn is now the subject, the focus that Daniel looks at. 
because now he's saying this little horn had eyes and he had a he had a mouth that spoke pompous words so what we have so far we have a kingdom right with characteristics of other kingdoms and this kingdom is driven by the power of the dragon it has 10 horns this beast there's also a little horn that will come up and after he comes up three horns are going to be plucked out and then the little horn begins to rise into power take note this little horn is described by having eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth speaking pompous words so he's going to be arrogant he's going to be making blasphemous statements against yahuwah against yahusha and so he's going to proclaim himself in such a way that will defy the authority of Yahuwah God himself. And he will have eyes. So what does that mean? That he will have eyes like the eyes of a man. In biblical uh, literature, what is represented by the eye? In Matthew 6, 22 to 23, it says, your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. So what is represented by light? That represents our mind, our thinking, our intelligence that will influence us. This is why Yahushua says, if your eye is good, your whole body is good. If your eye is bad, your whole body is bad. Because it all has to do with the mind. What you, what, what you have in your mind, your body will follow. It influences. So this little horn will be known for his influence and his intelligence. He will be known for his power and authority, and he'll be known for his pompous words. Keep that in mind. He will speak blasphemy. He will be intelligent, influential, and powerful, and he will speak blasphemy and pompous words. What else does Daniel mention in his dream? After mentioning the little horn, and his rise to power, a shift in, the, in Daniel's dream takes place. All of a sudden, in Daniel 7, 9 to 10, this is what he sees in his dream. I watched till thrones were put in place, and the Ancient of Days was seated. His garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. A thousand thousands ministered to him. Ten thousands time, times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated and the books were open. And so after mentioning the rise of the little horn, right? Daniel all of a sudden sees the ancient of days. What does the ancient of days, what does he do? He sets up his throne and books were open. Question, who do you think this ancient of days is? Who is that who sits on his throne with a depiction likened to a person with a hair, his, with a hair that is like pure wool? His throne was a fiery flame. It wheels a burning fire. Who could that be? Well, we get an idea and a clue in the book of Revelation 4, 1 to 4, but I think you already know who that is. After this, I looked... And there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I heard first heard, uh, and the voice I had 
first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here. So Apostle John in the spirit was commanded to come up to heaven. And I will show you uh, what must take place after this. At once, I was in the spirit. And there before me was a throne in heaven with something sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian, a rainbow resembling an, em an emerald, encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones. And seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. And so in the dream that Daniel had, he saw a throne and also other thrones beside his throne. And this throne, the one sitting on this throne is described in Revelation, also describing its regal nature, right? Because it mentions rainbow resembling an emerald encircled the throne and 24 elders sitting on their thrones were with the one sitting on the throne. Who could be this one sitting on the throne? Let's keep reading. Also before the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center, around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. And so the throne had 24 elders sitting on 24 uh, thrones, and also there were four living creatures around the throne. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under his wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. So who is the one depicted in the dream Daniel had who was sitting on the throne with books open and he had other, other thrones with him. Who is the ancient of days? Who is that? Yahuwah God. Yahuwah Allahim. He is the one who was and is and is to come. He is Yahuwah. That's the meaning of Yahuwah. He was the one who was and is and is to come. And so the one that Daniel saw in his dream was Allahim, Yahuwah who set up his thrones with books open. What, what takes place when the books are open? What takes place? What's the purpose of the books? What books do you think were there? Books of works, books of book of life, right? And so it was open. What is that used for? It's the purpose of judgment. And we'll see that later on. And so this is what's gonna, this is what is depicted in the dream that Daniel had, but he's not finished. Daniel 7, 11, and 12. I watched them because of the sound of the pompous words. And so the little horn keeps butting in, right? He just interrupts the vision, the dream that Daniel had, and his focus again shifts back to the sound of the pompous words which the little horn was speaking. I watched till the beast was slain and its body destroyed and given to the burning flame. As for the rest of the beasts, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. So as the dream continued, uh, Daniel saw the vision of this little horn, speaking pompous words, being slain and then given over to the burning flame. And so Allahim sets up his throne with books open, and then the dream takes 
Daniel to see the beast being slain and his body given to a burning flame. And after that, what happens next in the dream of Daniel? Daniel 7, 13 and 14. I was watching in the night visions and behold, one like the son of man. Who could that be? The son of man. Who is that? Do you know? Do you have any idea who the son of man is? Yahusha. So in this dream, there was the ancient of days. And he also sees the son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the ancient of days. Who is that? Yahuwahim. And they brought him near before him. Then to him, to Yahusha, the son of man, was given dominion and glory in a kingdom. That all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away. And his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. And so this was the dream that Daniel had. And so when we look at the dream, this is the outline of the dream. I want you to take a look at this. Because this is far from finished. We're going to flesh out the details of the dream in the forthcoming chapters of Daniel and also Revelation. But this is the basic outline. It's going to be a kingdom. It's going to be upcoming with the characteristics of Persia, Babylon, and Greece. Okay? And the kingdom will have ten horns, whatever that means. It will have a little horn that will come out, come up, and three horns will be plucked out. The little horn will rise in power. He will have intelligence and influence and power because after all, this beast is driven by the power of the dragon. He will speak blasphemy. He will speak pompous words. And then Allahim will set up his thrones, which with books open, and then the beast is slain and the body given to a burning flame. Then the son of man is given everlasting dominion so those are the events that take place in the dream of daniel remember what he said in daniel chapter 7 verse 1 he only wrote the main things not the details but we're going to look at the details of that dream in the upcoming chapters including the book of revelation and so when this dream was given what did daniel feel daniel 7 15 to 16 i daniel was grieved in my spirit within my body and the visions of my head troubled me. I came near to one of those who stood by. Perhaps it was an angel, right? And asked him the truth of all this. So he told me and made known to me the interpretation of these things. So now we come to the interpretation of the dream, okay? And so what does the angel say to Daniel? Those great beasts, which are four, are four kings or kingdoms. The angel and the prophecy uses kings and kingdoms interchangeably, which arise out of the earth. But the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and forever. You know, that should give us relief. That should give us a, a reason to hope. Because Daniel, if you still remember, he was grieved. He was troubled, right? By the dream. He was troubled. Because he saw something terrible. He saw something he could, he could not describe with words. He could not even use an animal to describe what he saw. And he was focused on that little horn. And it terrified him. It frightened him. And so the angel, perhaps he noticed that Daniel was distressed 
He said to him, the great beast, you saw the four kings. And then he gives this promise, right? But the saints of the most high, the saints of the most high shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. Can you imagine that? What do you call that when you say forever and forever and forever? I mean, it's sufficient to say forever, but if you want to make an emphatic point that this is really going to happen, this is going to be true. In other words, this is a promise that you can rely on. The Bible often uses phrases like that, forever upon forever, forever, even forever and ever, to tell us this you can count on. Because he wanted to, to give hope to Daniel because of what he saw. What he saw must have been really frightening. And so this uh, angel tells him, you know, the, the, the saint, they shall receive the kingdom and possess it forever. And so when we look at some of the details from this chapter alone about the meaning of the dream, we know in the highlighted part, the son of man is given everlasting kingdom. But Yahushua, the son of man, he's going to be co-ruling and he's going to give to his saints, the saints of the most high, the kingdom. Okay, so Yahusha is going to have people who are with him, who will co-rule with him, be given the authority to rule with him, and, be re and receive also the kingdom. What else um, is in the, in the interpretation of the dream? Daniel 7, 19 and 20. Then I wish to know the truth about the four beasts. You see, he wasn't really concerned about the first three beasts. It didn't frighten him. He was concerned about the fourth beast. And so he wanted to know from the, the angel, what is this fourth beast? Which was different from all the others. Exceedingly dreadful. You notice that? It was exceedingly dreadful. The first three beasts, it did not bother him. But the fourth beast, it caused him to be, to be afraid, to be distressed. With its teeth of iron and its nails of bronze, which devoured, broken in pieces and trampled the residue with its feet. And the ten horns that were on its head and the other horn, what is, what is that other horn again? The little horn, which came up before which three fell, namely the horn, which had eyes and a mouth, which spoke pompous words, whose appearance, his appearance was greater than his fellows. And so Daniel wanted to know about the fourth beast. And when he was describing the fourth beast, what other details come up? Daniel 7, 21, 22, I was watching in the same horn was making war. Uh-oh. The same horn. What is that horn? That little horn. He is making war against the saints. Now, the word saints in the, the Hebrew word for saints there refers to set apart ones. Kadesh. Set apart. In other words, those set apart by Yahuwah to be his people. So these are the people of God. And so should the, the target then of this little horn, who is it? Who's the target, the number one target of this little horn? The saints. That would be us, right? The same horn was making war against the saints and prevailing against them. Until the ancient of days came and a judgment was made in the favor of the saints of the most high. And the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. So according to the dream of Daniel, this little horn will make war. Not only will he make war, the Bible even mentions this little horn will prevail. 
he will prevail against the people of Allahim. And so we need to be mindful of that because that should be concerning for us, right? This little horn will prevail against the saints. But let's keep looking at the, uh, uh, the dream because it mentions there, although the little horn is prevailing against the saints, it mentioned in verse 22, until, so for a time, for a time, this little horn will prevail against the people of God, people of Elohim, until the Ancient of Days came. Who is the Ancient of Days? Yahuwah. And a judgment was made in favor of the saints of the Most High. And, did, and time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. And so just when we think it's the worst, right? Just when we think there's no hope, what happens? The Ancient of Days comes. And he will judge. And this is why in the dream that Daniel had, he sees the ancient of days, Allahim, Yahuwah, sets up thrones with books open because the purpose of the books being open is to cast judgment. And so judgment is made against the little, little hour, the little horn, right? The little horn. Judgment is made against the little horn. And so what else? In Daniel 7, 23, thus he said, the fourth beast shall be a fourth kingdom on earth, which shall be different from all of the kingdoms. That's why we mentioned to you, kingdoms and kings, it's used interchangeably by Daniel. And shall devour, what does it say? The whole earth, trample it and break it in pieces. So this kingdom, this fourth beast, this fourth kingdom, right? It's not going to be a small kingdom. It's going to devour the whole earth worldwide. It's going to be global. And this kingdom, how will he devour this whole earth? How will this come to be? Daniel again, 7, 24 to 25. The 10 horns are 10. Aha, now we're getting some details. So there's going to be 10 kings that will arise from this kingdom. So there's going to be a kingdom, and this kingdom will be comprised of many nations. Okay, there's going to be a union of many nations, and from this union of many nations, there's going to be 10 kingdoms, 10 kings that will stand out and take the forefront leadership. They will be, they'll take a prominent role in the leadership of this kingdom, okay? So there's gonna be 10 of them, that will come from his kingdom. But then, after the ten will rise, after these ten kings begin to make themselves known, what happens? Another shall rise after them. A little horn, right? He shall be different from the first one. He'll be different from the ten. And shall subdue three kings. Remember the three horns that were plucked out? Yeah. This little guy, this little horn, He's not going to stay little, is he? He's going to grow in power. He had started out with 10. And then there's going to be a little one will come. And perhaps there will be three among the 10 who will oppose this little horn, this little king. But this little king will rise in power. And he will subdue or overcome the three kings. Okay. He shall speak pompous words against the Most High shall persecute the saints of the Most High and shall intend to change times and law. Then the saints shall be given into his hand for a time and times and a half time. And so the Bible tells us 
how this fourth kingdom will eventually rule the world. It begins by forming a union of many nations. Now, we don't know if this has already taken place today, but we should always be observant. We should always look at what's happening in the area where Israel is at. Perhaps it, it most likely in, involves the nations within that area near Rome in Europe somewhere. Okay, We don't know who the main players are, but there's going to be a union of many nations. And from that union of many nations, look out for 10 leaders who will stand out because they're going to be prominent. However, they will, not last, they will not last long because there's going to be a little one. There's going to be one that will emerge. Perhaps no one suspected. He will emerge and he will conquer and he will overcome the three kings and he will take over. And what will he do? He will speak pompous words against the most high. So this little horn will rise and he will subdue the three kings. And then he will make war and prevail against the saints. How long will he prevail against the saints? If you read verse 25 at the bottom, then the saints will be given into his hand. The hand of the little horn, right? And this little horn will subdue and overcome the saints for a time and times and half a time. This is an idiom of time mentioned in Hebrew. And in, in the today's English version, it gives us the meaning of that. He will speak against the supreme God and oppress God's people. He will try to change the religious laws and festivals. And God's people will be under his power for three and a half years. And so according to the dream of Daniel, this little horn that will come from this fourth beast and will be taking over the fourth beast. This little horn will make war against the saints or the people of God and will prevail against the people of God for three and a half years. And just when it seems like there's no hope, what's going to happen? 26, 27, but the court shall be seated and they shall take away his dominion. So he may prevail for three and a half years, but... It's going, to be, it's going to be put to one end. His dominion will be taken away to consume and destroy it forever. Then the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people, the saints of the most high. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and all dominion shall serve and obey him. You notice that in the dream that Daniel had, emphasis was made to the saints of the most high. Right? Because that's the good news. That's the gospel. There's good news for the people of God who will prevail, who will endure. This is why the message in the dream of Daniel, although it provokes fear, because Daniel was indeed concerned about the dream, but it's also a message of hope. Do you see the hope? Do you see the hope in the midst of pain? Often in prophecy, what is depicted as painful and suffering, if you look in the middle, when you look at its essence, you're going to see hope. This is why we need to look with the eyes of faith. When we look with the eyes of faith, we will see hope in the midst of pain. And so even in this dream, you find repeatedly in Daniel chapter 7, the promise, the awesome promise that Yahuwah makes, which is 
the people of God, the saints of the Most High, they will be given the kingdom, which is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey Yahuwah and Yahusha. And so Allahim will set up his thrones. He will judge the little, the little uh, horn. The son of man will be given everlasting dominion and the saints of the most high will receive the kingdom. And so that's the outline of the events that will take place in the future. Okay. This is what we have to look forward to. Are you excited? No. <laughs> but look at what that, this is how Daniel concludes in Daniel 7, 28. This is the end of the account. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts greatly troubled me. He was so troubled. Look what happens. And my countenance changed, but I kept the matter in my heart. And so this dream took place during the reign of Belshazzar, but he did not mention it to anyone. He kept it to himself until he found uh, the, the way to, to write it down and make it part of the Bible. Right? And so this dream really troubled him. It troubled him. It grieved him. It caused his countenance to change. And when we think about that, it, it takes a lot to trouble Daniel, right? I mean, when he had to go to the, to the lion's den, it was nothing to him, right? The lion's den, it was nothing to him. But this dream really troubled him. And that makes you think about exactly what this little horn is able to do. And what the tribulation is all about. This is why we have to prepare ourselves, brethren, for what is to happen. For what the little horn can and will do against the saints of Allahim. So we need to be prepared. This is the outline that Daniel gave us. And so in the future chapters of Daniel and the book of Revelation... We're going to flush out. We're going to identify who the little horn is. You probably have an idea who the little horn is, right? And its connection with the fourth beast, the last uh, empire that is to emerge. And what's going to happen in the end times and what we need to do to prevail. Perhaps some of us are concerned. And if we have faith, we should be concerned. Because as human beings, we don't want to witness these events, right? Little horn may, does not sound intimidating. Little horn, does it sound intimidating to you? But what Daniel saw was completely different. It's a good thing. Daniel did not give the full details. He only gave us the main points. If he would have given the full details, we probably would be troubled and grieved too. Because of what he saw. Do not underestimate what is about to happen, brethren. If we have faith, we need to prepare for these events. However, we should not be overcome by fear. We should not be overcome with anxiety or worry. Why not? Because there is a promise that Yahusha makes. What is that? Let's read the final passage of our studies today. The book of Revelation 3, 10 down to 13. Because you have kept my command to endure. I will also keep you safe from the time of trouble, which is coming upon the world to test all the people on earth. This is what Daniel saw. A global event to test the people of the world. Yahusha says, 
keep my command to endure. And he will keep us safe. Verse 11, I am coming soon. Keep safe what you have so that no one will rob you of your victory prize. I will make those who were victorious pillars in the temple of my God. They will never leave it. I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which will come down out of heaven from my God. I will also write on them my new name. What is that new name? I don't know. We'll find out, right? If you have ears, then listen to what the Spirit says to the assemblies, the churches. And so Yahushua, our king, the one who will inherit the kingdom, he's telling us to obey, to command, obey the, the command to endure, to keep safe our victory prize. And when he returns, he will make us pillars in the temple of Allahim. And so, brothers and sisters, there's no reason for us to be overtaken by fear. Instead, let us keep the command of Yahuwah Abba. Let us keep the teachings of Yahusha HaMashiach in our hearts. And let's move forward with faith and trust that we will prevail. And when Yahusha returns, we shall inherit together with him the everlasting kingdom. Let us stand and we shall pray together. <laughs> Almighty and everlasting Father, yes. Yahuwah, our loving Allahim in heaven, Amen. we glorify you and praise you. Yes, we are not afraid of anyone or anything yes. because you are the ultimate judge of all. Amen. We remember what Yahushua HaMashiach taught us, yes. which is your teaching, not to be afraid of anyone yes. who cannot kill the soul. Only you have power over the soul. Amen. And so because you have blessed our souls, yes. not with condemnation, but with everlasting promises, we have no reason to be afraid. Yes. And every reason to expect joy when you will send your begotten son. Amen. Teach us to live in joy, yes. to live in faith. Moved by love, yes. help us to obey your teachings, Amen. to obey all of your commands, to prove our loyalty to you. Amen. Help us, Father, to endure, especially when tribulations come. Help us to be prepared and help us to prepare our children and our children's children. Amen. Our loving Mashiach Yahushua, yes. you are the son of man. It is to you that the everlasting kingdom shall be given. Amen. And it is you that we worship and praise. Because we want to belong to you, to serve you, to worship you forevermore. Amen. Grant us more faith, please. Yes. That we will have faith strong enough to overcome the fears of life. Amen. Father, bless your people throughout the world. Listen to our pleas, yes. listen to our cries, yes. and heal your people everywhere. Yes. And may you bless us even in these times of hardships. Amen. We believe, loving Abba, you have listened to our prayers. Yes. For we ask and beg everything in the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahusha HaMashiach. Amen. Amen.